listening to Fox Sports Radio. Radio. All right, Fez. How you feeling? You went four and three, Maddie. You feel it last week. Does that make you feel better? It's a start. Yeah, I'm not sure. Did you had that fake total, right? Did that game win? No. Oh, total lost. So you were trying to cheat us, and it and it came back to bite you. It did. All right. So we, th- I, you know, to me, the Tuesday night football was the key. I mean, I that that's certainly the Vegas lead here, and I'm surprised at the game. I mean, everybody, everybody was thinking uh, the the schedule situation was going to be so tough. But Tennessee dominated. I mean, I'm just so surprised at that. What's your take? You know, it's a difficult one because obviously the defense for Buffalo wasn't there. And Buffalo's defense has struggled all year long. Now... Was there something special about this game that really impacted Buffalo? Because that D looked just out of sorts in terms of just being unable to stop Tannehill and couldn't get Tennessee off the field all night long. No Ladarius White. I mean, that's their best defensive player, right? Yes. That's some difference. No, no doubt. So, Jonas, voice of the fan in L.A., what was your take on the game? I was surprised as well how well Tennessee played. The fact that they had such limited practices. I think it was two practices that they came out there and took total advantage of the field position. Uh, A couple of interceptions by Josh Allen. One of them not really his fault, but they took complete advantage of it. I think they were six for six in the red zone. They were efficient. They look like the much more prepared team and Buffalo looked a little lethargic. They looked like they weren't really ready to go and ready to play. Tennessee, I thought, handled it beautifully. Yeah, I give them credit. Um, this, to me, is under-considered, and I think it's maybe the story of the game. And we did not have this yesterday. We missed it. If you really think about the reality for Buffalo, the reality was that they didn't know all the way up till, let's call it Sunday, but you could make the case it was even later, or at least late Sunday, Here's the scenario. If Tennessee would have had a positive test and they would have been forced to say Tuesday game is canceled, the plan was Buffalo was going to have to play Thursday night at home against Kansas City. That game's been moved now, I think, to Monday, right? Yes. But they didn't know. Tennessee, how many times has there been, oh, after two clear days, we're going to be fine? You know, positive test, positive test. Etc. I don't know what the odds were, 50-50, but there was some real chance that Buffalo was going to have to play on Thursday. Who do you prepare for? On Saturday, in that case, who do you prepare for, Fez? If there's a 50% chance you're playing on Tuesday and you're Buffalo against Tennessee— and it was a 50% chance you're playing Thursday against Kansas City, what do you do on Saturday? You're prepping the majority of your time for Kansas City because that would be a much bigger game with huge implications for home field advantage in the playoffs. Matty Holt, who is the president of the Buffalo Fan Club Bills here in Vegas, what do you think of that? 
I thought they got screwed this week. I mean, they had zero positive cases, yet it was them who had their biggest game of the year messed with. Thursday night home game with the Kansas City Chiefs. They were the ones who had their emotions toyed with. And what I what I also think it might be a little underrated in this situation, and we've seen it a couple times now when games get messed up and practices get canceled, like with the Vikings. And um, Is it the road team that, that ends up paying the price here? Because now you're on the road. You don't know when you're going to play, but you're not, you're not in your own bed. You're not at your own house. You're just stuck on the road, not knowing exactly what's going to happen when you're going to play. So I think these things are a little more damaging than road teams. And at the end of the day, again, Buffalo Bills with no positive cases kind of, you know, got the worst end of this one. Well, if you think about it, you could make the case that New England obviously was the road team before the Kansas City game. They played well, but still didn't cover. Bills. Played well defensively. Their offense was terrible. Yeah, 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 no doubt. But I mean, they probably should have covered the game, right? And I mean, yes. My point though would be, they didn't, and they got tired and seemingly tired in the second half. Maybe, right? Do we maybe look at these because anyone that's been to an airport and has had a plane, a flight, been like twenty six hours delayed, right? Which happens all the time. You know, you haven't done anything. It's not like you ran a marathon. You're exhausted by the time you get on that plane. Just the anticipation, the waiting. I don't know if it's the nerves. I mean, Jonas, you've had that experience. What do you think it is that makes that airport experience? And and I think it's an analogy to what the Bills were going through, waiting, waiting, waiting to even get on the plane. I always point to even just going to Vegas. It's a 45-minute flight from Burbank out here in Southern California. You think, oh, 45 minutes, you're up and down and you're there. Even when I get off the plane at Burbank, I don't or at at McCarran and at Las Vegas, I don't feel a hundred percent. There's something about breathing uh, different air, the oxygen of the plane, the going back and forth. I I think it's something. I think it's a big deal. And the fact that you like that 22 hour travel day the Patriots had that had to have had some sort of an effect on them against Kansas City. That and their poor quarterback play. But I just think to to Maddie's point, the road teams feel like they're not quite right and we've got a couple of big examples on primetime television to point to yeah and but with you jonas in vegas i think it's the fact you're a compulsive gambler and you just get very <laughs> yes, excited that's true i, I can <laughs> see by the time i leave the airport after i'm done with the wheel of fortune slots you know i, I just don't even want to go in <laughs> let me tell you the hold percentage isn't quite as good at the airport they're Nowhere. not as worried as you're leaving right fez yeah that's where the real degenerates play absolutely <laughs> listen he's right here jonas he's in la but he's right here on the show with us we are straight out of vegas all right closing thoughts on the game so to me, last thing, Fess? I just think the Buffalo defense, they were ranked their top 10 defense and by football outsiders and by everyone's metrics last year. Now they're ranked 22nd. How concerned are we about that Buffalo well, team? You're not concerned at all because you hate Buffalo. That's a good point. I'm happy. I mean, for some reason, you were so behind on Josh Allen, you just hate the Bills. Oh, that's so true. <laughs> Straight out of Vegas! Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. Matt, you were here. You got to speak to this. We were debating the Nick Saban stuff. And how, tell them what, people won't believe me. What did Fess say? 
So we were trying to talk about what a coach, you know, how much a coach is worth. And Fez goes, let's just assume he's dead. <laughs> I'm like, how about if we just yeah. assume he's going to miss this yeah. week? No, no. He, but the way he said it was like so sick. Yes. He, goes, he goes, let's just assume he died. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's sick, dude. Just trying to get the numbers right. <laughs> All right, I think we move on. Let's move on to the Nick Saban story. Yeah, that's right. Alabama's got a massive game this weekend against Georgia, but the news that came out a short time ago, their head coach Nick Saban testing positive for COVID-19, although he does say he's not showing any symptoms at this time. Well, I mean, especially over 60, you got to be concerned. I Good shape, obviously. I mean, uh, at least he, his appearance physically is I am shocked at what the line has done. Shocked. So let's go with the voice of the fan. Jonas, if Nick Saban not were dead, but let's say he retired <laughs> and moved to an- Antarctica, all right, he's not coming back. For next year, how many points would you give Nick Saban's value? Consider recruiting, game planning, and day of the game would be, in my opinion, the three big things. You could say player development, you know, within the practices. So all that's in play because he's not dead, but somewhere far away. If he, if with Nick Saban, they were a seven-point favorite. Without him, I would say they were a three- or four-point favorite. Okay, but what I'm asking you is, forget this game. Let's say that he just, you know, didn't coach next year. And you considered all the, you know, if I asked you, how does Nick Saban affect Alabama football, what would be the main categories you'd say? Recruiting, um, uh, being able to be prepared. Uh, Nobody's more prepared, especially with a long time off. He's one of the best. Um, His ability to, uh, his track record against assistants. I saw that he's 20-0 against former assistant coaches. There's that that's out there. But most notably, recruiting and his ability to get his team prepared each and every week. So if you think about it, he recruited these players. The game plan, I mean, I can promise you, and our producer, Hollywood Matt, you had a quote here uh, say about what Saban's going to be doing. That's right. Offensive coordinator Steve Sarkeesian, ESPN.com, is reporting will oversee preparations for Saturday night's home game against number 3 Georgia while I work from home, Saban said. And if Saban says he's working, he's working. He's, Matt sounded professional right there, didn't he? Sure he did. Huh. I think if you look at the effect of missing from midweek on, but still being work and re- still working remotely, I think it's far less than half of the effect if Saban was dead, as Fez would say, <laughs> before the season. I think it's like a third of the effect. What would you think? I agree because he's already had time to put in the game plan yeah. for Georgia, right? So now the, it's all the assistant coaches can implement that. So plus he he's he's not in a coma. He's exactly. Gonna, there's. I bet he's got a film crew right now walking around with cameras so he can see what's going on. He's probably got 18 TVs up at the house, right? And he probably has people like wheeling around a big 70-inch screen of him shouting at people. I mean, think about it. Wouldn't you be doing that? Sure. If I was Nick Saban. Yeah. yeah. So I'm not sure how much this affects him. The line has gone from six and a half Alabama favored. 
to four. So a two and a half point adjustment and still moving, it seems like. So if that's half, Saban would be worth um, five. If it's a third, meaning this week is a third, he'd be worth seven and a half in the offseason. That seems way too high, doesn't it? Yes, and I think some of it just has to do with the market reacting to when they see one positive COVID, they tend to expect more. Some of it has to do with Saban this week. Maybe some of it has to do with the anticipation of possible further cases coming down. Maddie beats you to the punch of stealing my thought, Bez. <laughs> yes. I mean, that would have been next. I mean, the chance of it going around the board here was impossible. No well, you, you nailed it during a break, RJ, and you're talking about look it, if there's no COVID tests that come across on other on players for Alabama and other coaches, this line's too low, and you think it's gonna that line could well boomerang back up to five or so. This is an overreaction based upon an anticipation that's possible on more COVID tests, right? And yeah. RJ, we trust you. We're getting money. on them, baby. Here we go. Let's get it. Tuition paid. You could have at least attributed it. I should have. <laughs> I did swipe that one. <laughs> yeah. He said it so, like, like major. Like, you know, I've been contemplating. But, I, I, I mean, that feels like that's part of it. I don't it understand this line move otherwise. Yeah, I agree. Has to be. What do you think, Jonas? Yeah, I, I would. I would tend to agree. I think they're looking at. Well, the athletic directors got it. The chances of Nick Saban being in close proximity to all those players and nobody else getting it—that seems like a long shot. Um, or could I mean maybe there's just something to people thinking that Alabama is Nick Saban, and without Nick Saban, it's just not the same program whatsoever. Because you do. But he's not dead. I know. I, and, and I also think, too, and I don't know what the restrictions are, but the only time that you're really going to miss Nick Saban is on the sidelines because when they go into halftime, who's to say they can't FaceTime him at halftime that's and make I'm adjustments saying. there? Yeah, so that that does seem the part that's a little confusing to me. Who knows? There has to be a history of these coaches missing games. I mean, maybe there's not a big enough sample size to us to attribute it an actual value. But who's to Nick Saban? I know, that's right. Right? No, nobody. I mean, he's the guy. I mean, there might yeah. be a handful of coaches. But again, I believe Nick Saban is about the, the 365 days of the year, not game day as much. But, all right, so to me, if there's a bunch of COVID, I mean, it strikes me that this might be faulty moving the line on potential more COVID from Alabama because won't they just cancel the game? If it's severe enough, yes. So what, if there's three positives they're going to play? That's a great question. How how many can they get away with? And We've still seen play? college teams this year play with 15, 16. I mean, so they'd Virginia have 15, Tech had 15 positives, and they uh, they wouldn't play, but the other team, the other players would. Yeah. Okay. Then that might be it. But then. those positives tend to be earlier in the cycle. When if, if three positive tests come out, now all of a sudden there's the concern about you know all the tracing and the other players. I think Maddie Holt might be right. I think a lot of this move is about potential <laughs> COVID cases to come before Saturday. But the line right now, Alabama 4 against Georgia. Could right. be the greatest value Alabama line we've seen. Laying 4 at home yeah, in I an mean, SEC conference game? Yeah, I mean, I know, I know Georgia has the D. Straight out of Vegas! Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. All right, Jonas. We're going to go through the three games 
the three big games of the weekend. And it's going to be Pittsburgh-Cleveland, Green Bay-Tampa, Ram-San Fran. Now, here's the reason I'm even naming the games ahead of time, Jonas. Fez, coincidentally, he gives a pick every Wednesday. I was ranting about the value on one of these. And at the end of it, Fez goes, uh, this is going to be my pick. <laughs> now, maybe that's a coincidence. We'll see. But when he gives the handicap, you can tell us. But you pick the order. Well, I guess, Fez, that game is Green Bay-Tampa, so we'll do that one. Let's do that one first. All right, and so we go Green Bay-Tampa, the Packers at the Bucks Right now on pregame.com, it is shown as a pick em. And I'm on Tampa Bay here. It's all about Green Bay and who they played. Green Bay has not faced a good defense yet. Minnesota, Detroit, New Orleans, and Atlanta. Oh, hold on. New Orleans' defense is what? New Orleans is a borderline top 10 defense, but it's not well, an elite defense. Well, you didn't say the word elite. Borderline top 10. Last night they were saying it was like 21st while I was watching the game Monday night. Well, he's getting pushed in both directions now. <laughs> yeah. So, But what I'm saying is it's hard to say that they're a bad – I mean, I don't know I, what – you're using some weird words. Good. They were. It's a good defense. I agree with that. But, but now they have to play an elite defense in Tampa Bay that Football Outsiders has ranked number two. And, frankly, Tampa Bay lost against Chicago, but Tampa Bay played very very well in that game, and they were unfortunate. Very well? They played well. Uh. They played well. They won the rushing battle by three yards per play. Tampa should have won that game. Tampa is undervalued. They won the rushing battle by three yards per play. What does that mean? They ran for five and a half yards per rush, and Chicago only got two and a half. Have I, you ever heard anyone ever quote that, that Never. comparison? Not once. I mean, I've watched 10,000 hours of the NFL. Go ahead, Pat. All right. The wrong team is favor here. I'm on Tampa Bay. Yeah, he didn't have this pick before I gave it to him. <laughs> no. All right, here's the Jonas, here's the key to this. And thank God he didn't want to step on me here. So we always talk about the look ahead line. All right? That's the line that comes out a week ahead of time, and the only real thing that's different is one game is played before that. So like this week week 7's lines are up right now for example. All right? Well, what happens in week 6? We'll adjust those. Well, what happened we know Tampa Bay played wonderfully, but they lost. But let's just say that was an okay performance. And Green Bay, let me think, they had a bye. So the line last week was Tampa Bay favored by three. And now Tampa Bay's getting points, and it's pick them plus one at some spots. It's like been a four-point change. Makes no sense. It's just everyone's woken up to how good Green Bay looks. And I like the pick, though. Tampa, pick them plus the points, Fez. You're doing a good job. I mean, if you keep following me, you're going to be okay. And you say I don't listen to you. All right, we got 45 seconds of the last two games. All right, let's get to it. And we've got the Browns at the Steelers right now. Pittsburgh, a three-and-a-half-point favorite on pregame.com. We got. I love what Stefanski is doing with the Browns. Here's a power-rushing team that last week against Indy, Indy stacked the box. All right, the Browns threw the ball two-thirds of their plays to start the game. Very innovative coach. Anything? Indy's uh, number one left tackle, Costanzo, out last week. That might have been one of the most important injuries of the week. I think you talk about look-ahead lines to this one. Five and a half down to three for Pittsburgh. Three at a lot of places. I think the Steelers might be the value here. Yeah, I like Pittsburgh here myself a little bit, but it's not official yet. Last one to Sunday Night Football. We go, RJ. It's the Rams at the 49ers. L.A. is a a three-and-a-half-point favorite. And this is all about the line move also. 
This one may be warranted, though. If you had bet this a week ahead of time, San Fran at home was a three-point favor. Now they're a three-point underdog. Why? Because Jimmy G looked really bad. And maybe his ankle gets better in the week, but you can't be sure. You got 20 seconds, Fess. Yeah, horrible travel spot. Fourth road game in five weeks for the Rams. Three of those travels were to the East Coast. Wow, wow. 10 seconds. Rams 15, 5, and 1. Last 21 against the spread against the NFC West.